our relationships. I always forget something, you know, just, I always forget something. All right, so um, redeeming our relationships, the importance of faith in the family. I've been talking about how important faith is in God. It is indispensable when we talk about uh, healing our relationships and fixing our relationships and strengthening our relationships and having great relationships. We cannot do it apart from God. Therefore, when we um, have or engage in these relationships, we must have uh, our relationship to Christ in our minds. So here's one of our principles. We've got four principles that we've been going through. This is one of them. It says, Jesus impacts all my relationships and they will not satisfy as God intended apart from Him. So in other words, if we want to have satisfaction in our relationships, it is going to take the work of Christ in our lives. And so we're talking about the necessity of salvation. We're talking about the necessity of having an active life with Christ in order to begin to experience the satisfaction that our relationships can provide. Now, the great thing about this is as we begin to see it unfold, as we begin to see some of our relationships uh, flower and blossom and, and um, uh, exhibit some of the characteristics that God would have us have in our relationships, as we begin to see that in our relationship and the relationships of others, it becomes a point of glorifying to God. So I can see it in somebody else, and I can glorify God that, hey, look at them. Just to give you an example of uh, when we first started, I asked how many of you have been married for 50 years, and uh, some of you raised your hand, but without any explanation, we just kind of broke into applause. You know, we just kind of see that, we see it for how good it is, and it causes rejoicing to take place in our hearts. And so that can be true in all of our relationships. And I know with my children... Every time I see my children or have seen my children do something right or make a good decision, there is joy in my heart because of that. And then on the flip side of that, every time I see my children uh, do something bad or make a wrong choice and, and uh, do something that's disappointing, there's grief that is brought to my heart. And so we can see the good, and every time there is good, it should cause our hearts to rejoice and to turn to our God. And this is another one of our four principles. Godly relationships lead, to, lead me to worship the Creator. And this is right. So I have my relationship with God. He impacts all of my relationships here, and that causes me to turn back to Him in praise and thanksgiving for what He has done. So what I want us to do this morning as I go through this, what I've done is I've through the New Testament, and I've brought out some of the major relationships that we might find ourselves in, and I've got the verses, I'm going to put them on the screen, and some of them are long, so they're going to be a little small, but you can turn to them in your Bibles. But anyway, we're going to look at these passages, and you're going to notice that in each of these passages, there is some relationship or some connection to our, our faith in Christ that has a bearing on these relationships, and that's really the point. And so as we're going through these different relationships, I hope that we will see that you will find yourself in these and that you will see the necessity of having a right relationship with Christ even as you are instructed on how to act in that capacity in the relationships in your life. So hopefully uh, all that will make sense as I go through this. So we're talking about redeeming our relationships and now we're going to ad address husbands first. Okay, so if you're a husband out there, then uh, we're going to start here with you. So the first passage is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 33. And like I said, some of these are longer. I've underlined the, path, the parts that refer to Christ. 
So you can make reference there, but you can turn to your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, and it says this, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. So there it is, Christ and the way he loved the church has a bearing on me as a husband and how I ought to love my wife. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself. As we go to another passage, uh, this passage is from 1 Peter chapter 2, and it's verses 11 and 12. And these verses are actually kind of an introductory. They're introductory to a whole section where, he, where Peter gives instructions to husbands and wives and, and other people. So this is the introductory uh, passage. I'm going to keep on referring back to it. But um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says this. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. That's us as Christians in this world. We are sojourners and pilgrims. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. And, and here it is, as Christians, we ought to uh, have a conduct honorable among the Gentiles. So live like Christians in this Gentile, this unbelieving world. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So here it is. We are instructed or encouraged in this introductory verse to have a conduct that is honorable among the Gentiles. And then what does that mean? Well, here's the first passage. This is a little while way down the road. We're still talking about husbands. So here's the passage to husbands. This is uh, doing this is living honorably among the Gentiles. So husbands, likewise, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, which is a reference to our salvation, that your prayers may not be hindered. All right, so that's the husbands. Again, as we go through these verses, first of all, we want to see our connection to the faith. That, that isn't necessary. And then also, as we consider that, we want to see what we are supposed to do in that role. All right, so wives, next. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now, this follows that living honorably among the Gentiles. Here it is for the wives. says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed 
Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. You see the reference to our relationship to the Lord there. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. The next relationship here that we're talking about is the relationship of the, the fathers. So the fathers here, our first passage comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in training and admonition, in the training and admonition of the Lord. We move from fathers to older men. Now, if I were to ask you, how many of you are older men? Who wants to raise their hands to that, right? <laughs> Look, all the kids are raising their hands for older men. All right, there we go. Frank's old, so <laughs> he's raising his hand. But I tell you, there's a place for older men and older women. As a matter of fact, I'm older in some respects, older than I was yesterday for sure. But there is a need in my life for those who are even older than me. Because honestly, I am going through things that are difficult in my life, and I don't know. I don't know what to do or how to do it. I've never done it before. I have no experience. There is a place and a role for older men in Scripture and older women. And so we come to that. Older men says, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Now, this is the introductory verse. Sound doctrine, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. And normally, when we think of sound doctrine, we are thinking of having the right theological truths, understanding the right theological conceptions and ideals. And that's a part of it. But in this passage in Titus, when he speaks of of holding the things that are proper for sound doctrine, he is actually talking about or giving the encouragement to those that he's going to instruct, which includes the older men and so on, to how to live in that capacity. All right? So here it is, to older men. This is uh, Titus chapter 2, verses two, the next verse and, the, and verse 6. It says, That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience, exhorting the young men. From old men we come to old women. <laughs> See, that just sounds bad, right? Older women, that's a little better, soften the blow a little bit there. We still have our introductory verse, Titus 2.1, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, and here it is. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent, that is talking about a holy kind of life, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women. All right, our next relationship here is the children, the children. All right, so let's say this is for children 12 and under. Any children here 12 and under? Hey, what's your name? What's your name? All right. Who else was 12 and under? What's your name? 
Haley, whoa, Haley, I heard you from way back there. Adrian. Any other children, 12 and under? Oh, we got some over here. Hey. Jaden, I like that. Cole. Are you 12 and under? 12 and under, anybody else? Philip, don't you have like a whole herd of them? <laughs> All right, 12 and under. These are for the children. Now, I'm, I'm picking 12 and under for a, minute, for a reason in a moment. I'll explain. But um, there's instruction for the children as well. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Uh, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Again, you see the connection to the relationship with the Lord? This is well-pleasing to the Lord if you obey your, cho- your parents. Hey, children, by the way, of ten commandments that uh, Jesus or that God uh, passed down to us, one of them was to honor and obey your mom and dad. That is so important that it made one of the top ten. Children, are you listening still? Adrian, you got it? Obey your mom and dad. Honor your mom and your dad. It's one of the top ten. Ephesians chapter 6, 1, three, one through 3. Now, if children, you know, if this bothers you, listen to this one here. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it will be well with you and you will live long on the earth. Hey, isn't that great? Hey, children, you want to live a long time? You want to have a good life? Honor your mom and your dad. All right, you say, what about me? I'm a child, but I'm not 12 and under. I'm 13 or 14 or 30. Our uh, youth generation is, is a generation that has been concocted by our society. If we look at the Bible, we're not really looking at a, uh, uh, you know, children and then youth and then adults. We're talking about children who transition into adulthood. So really, if you're 13, any, any kids 13 or older, thir- any teenagers, let me put it like that. All right, we got some, all right, tell me, say your name really loud, Leanne, Annika, Marlon. All right, see, I, I didn't think teenagers wanted to raise their hands, but look at this, you guys are just, just itching to talk. Tori, Coleman, Josh. Everybody's pointing to you, even though you're not raising your hand. All right, Emmanuel. So we have our young adults here, our teenagers. Now, if you are a teenager, you are, in, from biblical, the biblical perspective, a young man or a young woman. It is important that you begin to learn life how to live it, and how to take responsibility and oversight for things. Now, of course, you're still young, so you can't just like, uh, you know, have oversight over everything. You've got to like work your way into it. And that's okay. That's, that's the training process. That's the older men teaching the younger men how to do it, and the older women teaching the younger women how to do it. And uh, we are lacking in that in our society today. We, we come to... We come to a certain age and we don't know what to do or how to do it. And so we just kind of keep on doing what we've been doing. And that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to take some responsibility here. So we're talking about young men. 
young men. And we go back to our introductory verse in Titus. It says, as for you speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. So here it is. This is according to sound doctrine. Titus chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Likewise, exhort the young, young men. Okay, young men. Now this is not just teenagers, but young men. Okay, from teenagers and a little older. Be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who as an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Now, this is a a big verse here, young man. There is a lot to learn if you're going to fulfill and satisfy what this verse is saying. Well, young women, that's next. In Titus, the same, these same passages here, according to proper, this is for sound doctrine. The older women are to teach the young women, to admonish the young women, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So the Christian faith, as we are seeing here, impacts our relationships. We live by the Word, and as we live the Word, we do not allow for the the world, or we do not give an occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme God's Word or to attack God's Word. We must live according to these ways. uh, Masters or employers. There's a lot to say here, too. We might not have uh, thought that or realized that, but uh, this extends into our work And so if you are a boss or an employer of others, this verse is for you. It says, Colossians chapter 4, verse 1, says, Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Notice again the connection to our Lord, even as we receive instructions about how to act on this earth. Colossians, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9 And you masters do the same things to them, giving up, threatening, knowing that your own master also in heaven, your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. All right, well, you say, well, I'm not a master or an employer. I'm an employee. I'm one of those employees. There's even more for you. Second, first Peter, uh, I don't know, but I always had trouble. I wasn't always a pastor, believe it or not. But uh, I always had trouble in the workplace uh, for a bunch of reasons. First of all, I didn't want to be there, and I didn't like doing the job, and I got so bored, and on and on and on it goes. And this was a constant struggle for me. And I read these verses, and I realize, well, it's not just a struggle for me, but this is a common struggle that we have in the workplace. I mean, after all, we're giving at least 40 hours a week to that job. All right, don't mean to depress you guys, but... All right, First Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. Uh, there are a bunch of verses here, and just skipping to this one. It says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, for this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongly. Did you get that? For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but... When you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. 
For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but, he, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Citizens, that, in, that involves all of us. How are we supposed to act? Now, this goes back to the key verse about how to live and conduct yourself honorably among the Gentiles. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, it says, Therefore, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4 through 4. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be afraid, unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise of the same, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain." For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers, attending continually to the very, this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. That's us as citizens. And then, with respect to all our relationships, and I'll stop here. This goes back to our key verse about having your conduct honorable among all the Gentiles. It says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8-12, through 12, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you might inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and, and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so here are the relationships that the Bible just expounds upon in Scripture. In each one, we've seen that there is a connection to our faith in the Lord. 
and how that comes to bear on how we act. Now, here's the thing. In none of these verses did it say, please fix my wife so that I can love her like you love the church. Or parent or children. It doesn't say that, uh, you know, please help my dad do better not be an alcoholic before I honor and obey him. It doesn't say anything of that. It, it is unconditional on the, how the other person is acting. The, the burden falls on you to live a Christian life in this world and in the relationship that you possess. So maybe you're here and you are struggling in one of these relationships. And this is where I want your participation as we come into the end of the service. You might be here and, and your relationship with your wife or your relationship with your husband is struggling and it is broken and I don't know where it might be. But if, if that is a relationship that needs fixing, then now is the time to look at your faith with the Lord and ask for His help in the repairing there. If you're a father and you're having trouble with your children, or if you're a, a mother and you're having children, trouble with the children, or maybe you're a child and you're having trouble with their parents, maybe you're a, a, wherever it is, whatever relationship, maybe you're in the workplace and you're having trouble at work, maybe you're having trouble with your boss, maybe you're a boss and you're having trouble with your, child, with your employees, they act like children sometimes, right? No, whatever the relationship is, put Christ in the center of it, have faith in God. He is the only one that can do anything to fix it and to make it satisfactory for you. I know it's hard, like you've been hearing me say, sin breaks every relationship and every step along the way in every relationship. Sin breaks it. We've got a lot of fixing that needs done. So what relationships need fixing in your life? I want us to respond as we sing our last song. As you know, we open, uh, we open the front. You can come up. I would encourage you. I'm, I'm going to be up here too because my life isn't perfect and my relationships aren't perfect. And it might be for you or it might be someone close to you. I, I forgot to say that as well. But let us give our relationships over to the Lord. Let us understand that faith in Christ is necessary if we are going to experience any satisfaction or fulfillment in our relationship. If we're going to have any of our needs met in our relationships, let us turn it over to the Lord. So as we come to our last song here, as we sing together, let us move and act in faith and ask Christ to help us in the relationships we're struggling with. Let's stand.